This is the Tallahassee Business Podcast, brought to you by the Greater Tallahassee Chamber of Commerce. Thank you to our sponsor, 223 Agency, a digital relations firm helping you maximize and develop your digital footprint. Check them out on the web at 223agency.com. Without further ado, enjoy this episode of the Tallahassee Business Podcast. Hey there, Tallahassee. Welcome to another edition of the Tallahassee Business Podcast. My name is Jay Rebel. I am your host here. I'm with my wonderful partner in crime, Sarah Solomon. Uh, Sarah, how's everything going today? It's another great day for a podcast. Absolutely. As always, always on the company line. We've got another great show for you today, folks. Uh, one of my favorite people in town to uh, sit back and listen to is joining us. If you're into economics, uh, data, or trying to get some grasp on where the world is heading today, uh, there's no one better to listen to than Dr. Jerry Parrish. Uh, Dr. Parrish, thanks for being with us. We're awfully glad to have you. Thanks for having me. I'm uh, glad to be here. Uh, folks, if you if you don't know uh, Dr. Jerry Parrish, um, you should. Uh, he is the chief economist and director of research for the Florida Chamber Foundation, a good friend of the building uh, here at the Tallahassee Chamber of Commerce. And uh, we have had the chance to get to know Dr. Parrish quite well uh, over the last few years in a couple of different roles. Uh, you may have seen his name on an agenda of uh, various chamber gatherings and meetings. Just uh, last week, we had Dr. Parrish as one of our keynote speakers for our annual economic forecast forum, which was wonderfully attended. And uh, based on the reaction from the crowd, I think they really enjoyed the show. Um, you also may have seen Dr. Jerry Parrish's name uh, as part of our recent local government study committee report that we did uh, on the state of things here in our community. Uh, he was part of a, a nine-member panel that we pulled together and, and, and kind of locked you guys all in a room for about six months and, and, and made you give us your best ideas on the future of the community. Uh, but we're thrilled to have you with us. And I guess maybe to start off, uh, Jerry, tell us a little bit about yourself and how one becomes the uh, chief economist for the Florida Chamber Foundation. Well, um, I became the chief economist for the Florida Chamber Foundation by literally asking them for a job. <laughs> uh, I had been working uh, at Florida Tax Watch, and I got involved with the Chamber Foundation on their Trade and Logistics 2.0 report. Hmm. Uh, the Chamber's economist actually left and went to graduate school to get a Ph.D., and they needed an economist on the uh, on the group that they were, that were working on this project. And I saw how the Florida Chamber and the Chamber Foundation worked together to produce research and then to turn it into actionable policy uh, with uh, their, uh, you know, their, um, the lobbyists and, and the advocacy effort that they have. And that, that was very powerful to me. It's like, you know, not only can you do the research and really get, you know, get a lot of people involved to find out what kind of Florida they want, uh, that they actually turn it into policy, working with the legislators, legislators, and I wanted to be a part of that. So uh, I asked Tony Carvajal for a job multiple times. Actually, he he turned me down at first, but I was persistent, and uh, they hired me a little over five years ago. Very cool. And, and you all do some great work. Uh, one of the things that uh, our board members would certainly be familiar with is a product you do called the Florida Scorecard. Uh, if you've never been to one of our chamber board meetings, hopefully you will someday, uh, 
We start every meeting with a review of the Florida scorecard, which provides data on both a statewide level and then drills down to what's going on here in Leon County. We like to have a very informed board on that front. Jerry, tell us a little bit about what the Florida scorecard is and how your team produces that. Well, the floridascorecard.org is a, is a website. It's free to use. It's available 24 hours a day. And literally, there are hundreds of thousands of pieces of data on it, both, like you said, at the state level and the county level. Um, uh, there, You can download charts from it you know, to use in your business or if you're giving presentations in, in the area. You can also download the raw data and use it. And we update this thing every week. Every time data comes out, we update it. Uh, uh, me and, and one of our staff members, Tracy Lowe, over at the Chamber Foundation. She does most of it, by the way. But uh, we, we, we know when the data's coming out. We were able to put it up there on the website for people to use and then notify people, you know, hey, there's a new metric out here. It may be the new, you know, uh, kindergarten readiness is one of the metrics we're waiting on. It should be out any day. Uh, you know, right now only 53% of Florida's kindergartners are ready for kindergarten. Mm. And we've got a goal of 100% of kids being ready for kindergarten by the year 2030 out of our Florida 2030 project. So you can see the data point and you can see the goal for Florida 2030 on the scorecard. Tell us a little bit about that 2030 project. What, is it, what does that mean? Well, about three years ago, the Chamber Foundation uh, decided it was time to do another statewide strategic plan. We do these about once every 10 years or so. But what we wanted to do this time is to literally go to every county in the state of Florida and get more than 10,000 people live in rooms to tell us what kind of Florida they wanted to have in 2030. And so we did, you know, the engagement process. We also did a bunch of research on top of that and came out with a big report that uh, is not just a report. It's, it's got 39 goals that we have to hit by the year 2030 uh, to be the kind of Florida that we want. We actually, you know, Florida, most people don't realize this, Florida was an independent country. We'd be the 17th largest economy in the world. Uh, our goal is to be 10th you know, by 2030. That's strong. You know, that's, that's a big goal. And our goal is to have 100% of third graders reading at third grade level. And there's all these goals that if we hit these goals, you know, Florida will be a leading economy in the world. What are some of those other goals that, that uh, are a part of that? Uh, you know, great to have tremendous ambition like that. And I think, you know, one of the, one of the pieces of data that always jumps out to me when we go through the scoreboard uh, or the scorecard forgive me is that there's going to be almost five million more Floridians between now uh, and 2030 so you know letting everyone know what the goals are as they drive across the state line to come live here <laughs> yeah. is a good idea right it, it is and uh, you know that's one of the, the, the forecasts that we have is 26 million people by tw by the year 2030 and, you know, I show slides about where those people will go and, and uh, uh, try to get communities ready. Uh, Mark Wilson, our CEO, said it the best. Hey, we didn't do such a great job, you know, planning for the last 5 million people. You know, let's do a better job planning for the next 5 million. And so that's part of our process to let communities know, hey, here's what's expected to happen uh, between now and 2030 in terms of population. Are, are you ready for it? Infrastructure-wise, are you ready for it? Uh, uh, otherwise, schools and everything else, and at least give them some notice before people just start showing up. Yeah, I mean it's a 
it's a hefty amount every day. I mean, and, and this year you've got, um, you know, the 2020 census taking off. Um, no doubt we'll be picking up more uh, influence in our nation's capital. I mean, the amount of people who are choosing the uh, wonderful business and, and lifestyle environment we have in this state is, is pretty incredible. And um, one of the things that our board members like to ask me when I'm going through your, your numbers is, uh, what does that mean for Tallahassee? And so, uh, maybe a good question to you is, is if there are, you know, 5 million more Floridians coming to this state in the next few years, um, uh, next decade, what, what does that mean for Tallahassee? Well, you know, every county is going to be different. Mm-hmm. And uh, we do have on our future cast uh, the expected population range by 2030 for every single county out there. Um, what's interesting, though, is, is, you know, as an economist, I would call this an endogenous variable, uh-huh. and I'm sure very few people know what that means, but what that means is you have control over it. So this community has control about what type of people you know, are attracted to Tallahassee and how many people were, are going to be here. You know, there's some communities out there that are really put the clamps on any further building, and, and so you know, and obviously they're going to have less population growth. There's some that want it. Uh, you got to remember Leon County, and I showed the map at the at the economic uh, outlook uh, uh, event that we we had at the Tallahassee Chamber. You know, Tallahassee is surrounded by rural counties, and we call these rural areas of opportunity. But what that typically means is there's a lot of room for growth in the metropolitan statistical areas because there is land and there's you know places for housing if you know that people want to live in. You know, that's one of our, you know, things that people are struggling with, you know, uh, and so people are moving out uh, into the surrounding areas. I think there's a great opportunity here for that, but, you know, Leon County has to understand that we're going to attract the kind of people that we want to attract. You know, what are we doing to attract, you know, those people that we want? And so it actually, you know, it's hard to tell how many people we'll have here by 2030. It will depend a lot on what their perception is of this area and whether they want to live here or not. And that's a great point because one of the questions I get when I show them our numbers, we have a bit of a, a, a wide uh, range for Leon County. People say, well, well, okay, well, what does that come from? And I said, largely uh, whether or not we want them, I, I would imagine, uh, which seems like is probably pretty close to the right answer. It is, and you know, this is a great town. We've got uh, so many opportunities here. We've got this educational system here between FSU, FAMU, and TCC. I think we're poised to be one of the you know greatest producers of talent of anybody in the country, not just uh, in the state of Florida. What if we you know created enough businesses to where we could hire those kids and keep them in this community? We'd get a younger community, we'd get more business, we'd certainly get a whole lot more tax revenue, mm-hmm. and there's an opportunity. You know, I teach part-time at uh, FSU, I teach in the Masters in Applied Economics program, and I love to point out the fact of there are companies that have opened branches here to hire my graduates kids that I'm teaching. Uh, One I like to hold up as an example. On their letterhead, it says, you know, three cities. It says Washington, D.C., San Francisco, California, and Tallahassee, Florida. That's where their three locations are, and they moved here specifically for these Masters in Applied Economics students. 
Yeah, there are some very uh, sharp students there. We've we've engaged with a few of them uh, at, at at your suggestion over the years, and and they're they're bright. They do great work, and you know we live in a world today where where people were constantly looking for the uh, answers to the test, so to speak. People want to know what's what's coming down the pipeline, and um, the communities and companies organizations that are putting in the kind of effort that is needed to understand what the future looks like are undoubtedly the ones that are that are becoming successful. So maybe a, a way to pivot back into our, our conversation that we from our local government study committee we did. Um, you know, what are the things that, that people in Tallahassee should be aware of as it relates to our community and, and sort of where the puck is heading, you think? Well, you know, like I said, Tallahassee has the advantages here. You know, whether we can capitalize on them or not, you know, that's that's up to us as a group. And I, I have great faith in a lot of our leaders, um, but, you know, we do have some issues. One of the things that I brought up uh, probably two to three years ago at the Tallahassee Chamber event is the number of kids living in poverty. You know, overall in Florida, there's 870,505 kids living in poverty. And we've got our share. We've got, I believe it's 9,999. And so what I like to show people is where they live in the county. So I'm, I'm sure most people now have seen my maps by zip code of where they're living. And, you know, we've got four zip codes here in Florida where there's 17 to 1,800 kids living in poverty. Well, I think that's an opportunity and uh, a lot of good things are happening on that front. People are realizing the cost of leaving someone in poverty is, is big. What people may not have realized is the opportunity uh, that uh, comes in the form of tax receipts and, and lower crime and a lot of, a lot of opportunities uh, of you know, preventing someone from staying in poverty. So that's why the Florida Chamber Foundation is one of its 2030 goals has uh, declared at 21.3% of child poverty right now, our goal is to you know, have that less than half, less than 10% by 2030. And that's an aggressive, aggressive goal. However, you know, there's a lot of great things happening uh, that can help that and help us reach that goal. And uh, I think you're gonna see some of them here in Tallahassee. Certainly, I'm very excited to see the Purpose Built Community Project coming into town. If uh, people aren't familiar with that, there's only two other ones in the state. There's one in, in Palm Beach, uh, on the north side of Palm Beach, and there's one in Orlando. And I believe you're gonna, people are going to be able to see kind of what the state of the art is of helping a community and keeping those people in that community and helping them you know, have a better life and uh, it also helps the areas around them. So very excited about Leon County and what's going on in Tallahassee. I think uh, we're, we're going to be on the front row seat of seeing really what, uh, how people's lives can be changed for the better and communities can be built uh, right there in front of our eyes. One of those big indicators uh, that always pops up, uh, in particular, you know, when you overlay some of the poverty data, is third-grade reading scores. Um, I think people probably hear that thrown around a little bit. What, what does that really mean uh, on the ground for communities? Uh, it, it was interesting because you know people that that are in economic development kind of kind of understand this. But I, I spoke to a group uh, in Orlando a couple of weeks ago, 
and it was like the Cement and Concrete Association. And, uh, <laughs> Association for everything. And right? I, I talked about third grade reading scores, and you know, one of the questions was, why is that so important? So uh, I'm glad you asked that. Well, the way most people see it is in third grade, kids typically go from learning to read to reading to learn. It's a very pivotal point uh, in, a, in a young person's academic career. And if they can get a head start and, and be reading at grade level, you know, they're much more likely to graduate from high school. They're much more likely to do better in life. And uh, so the Florida Chamber Foundation has been done extensive uh, look at this. Uh, we're working on it now with our Prosperity Project. Uh, I've done a lot of maps to show, to overlay third grade reading scores uh, against poverty rates and, and other things in, this, in you know, counties for people to look at and see. But we have to be careful. I, I warn people, you know, just because a school may have a low third grade reading score doesn't mean it's a bad school. You know, I've seen that, uh, um, people think that uh, here even in this county. What we have to think about is, you know, do those kids show up for school? You know, have they eaten? You know, have their parents ever read to them at home? There's a lot of input things that we have to think about. So when we ask for volunteers, and, and what I did at the, at the last chamber, Tallahassee chamber meeting is, all, all I asked for people that were there was to adopt a classroom. You know, if uh, not even an entire school, just a classroom. If you can help a kid learn how to read in first grade or second grade and third grade, um, they're going to be better prepared for school. School will be easier for them. They're much more likely to stay in school. And you have to think about it from it's our own economic interest here. You know, a kid that graduates from high school compared to one that doesn't is going to make, on average, $250,000 more over their career. Well, Florida, this entire state runs on sales taxes, about 76% of our general revenue, and that's what we pay for schools and health care and those kind of things out of at the state budget. That comes from sales and use taxes. So it's actually in our own best interest to you know, help people, you know, to help them you know, have better educations and better careers, and then they'll be paying more taxes, uh, which, uh, you know, that can help for that and the visitors we have. That'll, that'll help prevent us from having to impose a state income tax at some point. Yeah, man, that's certainly something we don't want to, I don't think anybody wants to really deal with. If you want to see those, those numbers of population increase turn around the other way, that's a, a good way to do it. Um, you know, great point on, uh, on, on the schools. I mean, I think you might have said something along the lines um, recently that you, you might have a school that's got 45, 55% third grade reading scores, and that might be a miracle. Yep. I mean, you've got some people that are doing some incredible work in some very difficult places, um, and the fact that those numbers are even as high as they are sometimes is, is pretty impressive. It is, and that's why when I show the numbers, uh, the score of the school is not, not the most important thing. I actually also show it uh, how many kids in that school are not reading at grade level because yeah. what we've seen, and I saw it happen here in Tallahassee, uh, one of the companies here told me after that event that they were going to go adopt a classroom, and I think this is awesome. I'd call their name had I gotten the permission to yeah. do it. Uh, everybody would know who it is. But, uh, you know, that's the key, business in engagement. And in a lot of schools, there's only 15 or 20 or 30 or 40 kids, you know, that aren't reading at grade level. 
And I know our Rotary Club here has Reading Buddies program. I know there's a lot of good things happening here. But the more people that are involved with the schools to understand what's going on and to help these kids uh, just get a better start in life, the better off all of us will be. Yeah, no doubt. Um, the Florida Chamber you know, has a, a real statewide emphasis on combating poverty these days. Um, you know, earlier you were telling me about uh, some interesting things. People are starting to take notice of that work uh, around the country. Tell us just a little bit about what that what that all looks like. Well, yesterday I was up at uh, in Atlanta at the Federal Reserve Bank of Atlanta, and uh, one of the things that's been great is uh, about three years ago I wrote a, a paper. We call it our fiscal cliffs paper, and it talks about the impediments of helping people get out of poverty. You know, especially for young families with kids, uh, they're, they're particularly affected where they could be in a situation to where even a 10 cent raise an hour can prevent them from keeping their child in subsidized childcare, which of course is very valuable, you know, to have, uh, because in some cases it's cheaper to, you know, send your kid to a state university than it is to, oh, you yeah. know, to pay for their childcare. But people are facing this issue. We calculated this the other day, um, and uh, we, well, we've been working on this. What's been exciting is the Atlanta Federal Reserve has taken a look at this, and they just released a report within the last two weeks that verified all our assumptions, and they actually quantified the value of getting people out of poverty in terms of tax savings uh, at the state and federal level. It's big, big numbers. And the most exciting thing for me is, uh, you know, in their reference section, they referred to the paper that I wrote uh, at the Florida Chamber Foundation. Uh, so we've gotten a lot of attention, uh, but more importantly, we've got more people involved because of it. And people are really understanding that, uh, you know, there's, there's people out there, and literally the, the example the Federal Reserve used in a case in the state of Florida is they had a young family, single parent family, two kids age four and six, located in Miami. That person was better off working 26 hours a week at minimum wage than they would have been had they been making $52,000 a year. Wow. So $11,000 versus $52,000, they were just as well off uh, making that low amount. And so people, you know, sit there and they won't take raises, they won't take uh, uh, extra hours, they won't take promotions because, you know, they, it's in their financial best interest. So we can't blame them. They're, we would call them rational economic agents <laughs> if I was talking to my grad students. Yeah. But people are rational and if, if you lose money by, you know, accepting a better job, you know, most people are not going to do it. And so we can't be surprised when that happens. No, that, that makes total sense. And, yeah, you, you made a good point there. I think the work you all have done continues to shine a light on a lot of things. And what happens is, is over time, as more people pay attention to these, these matters, um, you see policy change. You see mm -hmm. mindset change. You see resource redirection. And I, and I think that's absolutely happening here locally in Tallahassee. I mean, I feel like in the last three, four, maybe even five years, as you've seen uh, more and more uh, irrefutable data be publicized, be talked about, uh, be risen uh, to the, the, the public consciousness, 
you see people's behavior change. You mentioned purpose built. I mean, that became a real priority here uh, when some of the work that you all have helped um, bring to light started changing conversations. I, th- I think it's a big deal. Yeah, that's exciting for me. You know, it's, uh, you know, business people would help, you know, because it was the right thing to do. But now between some of the research reports that we've put out the Chamber Foundation, what the Atlanta Federal Reserve has done, and what, you know, my grad students have done uh, over this past year as well, um, what business people are realizing is there is a return on our investment. You know, at the state level, we can make money helping people get out of poverty. And when you show business people that, hey, there's a return on investment, they invest. Anytime the Florida Chamber asks businesses to become involved, they'll actually do it. You know, they'll, they'll get involved at their local community level. They'll get involved at the state level. There's right now a bill going through the legislature that's talking about these fiscal cliffs, you know, the benefit cliffs. And, uh, you know, it's, it's really just to study them and see what effect it's having on the citizens of Florida. And it's a big deal. Uh, I'm very glad to see that, uh, that our folks at the Florida Chamber have been involved. Our new director of, uh, of our program at uh, the Prosperity Project, Michael Williams, uh, actually testified yesterday uh, when the bill was up in front of a committee uh, just to, so the legislature can study this and really understand the, the benefits of helping people getting out of poverty is big, uh, quantifiable, you know, big numbers, and it really makes sense to uh, get as many people out as we can. Switching gears a little bit, um, we are still in the midst of a, a, a fairly unprecedented cycle of economic expansion. Um, you know, I, I, I think if you look at, you know, historically uh, how long you get into these uh, uh, bull markets where, where things keep going on the uptick, you know, about eight, eight nine years is about the max, and we're, what, up to about a uh, few, few, few years north of that now at this point, I guess. Um, we're 10-plus and counting. Yeah, yeah, still still rolling, which is good. I think, you know, a lot of, you see a lot of 401Ks in the, heading in the right direction, which is nice, uh, but that's not going to last forever. You know, there's no, I guess there's no reason for, you know, economies to just, uh slow down for the sake of slowing down but you know the question to you uh as uh chief economist uh what's the what's what's the prognosis for the next few years look like well uh, on january the 9th i just gave my forecast for the state as far as jobs and and uh talked about the probability of recession you know i expect florida you know florida over the past few years we're we've been growing jobs at the rate of about one out of 11 every 11 jobs created in the U.S. has been created in Florida. Wow. It's a big number because on average, Florida should average about one out of 20, yet we're doing one out of every 11. I expect another strong year. I expect us to create another 200,000 jobs this year. But more pointedly toward your question, the probability of recession, I certainly don't expect one in 2020. But every day, 24 hours a day on the floridascorecard.org, we have the probability of recession. And it's green or red, you know, if, it's, if the probability is going up, it turns red. If it's, if it's going down, it turns green. And so anybody can see this on our business climate and competitiveness pillar of the Florida scorecard. Now, right now it's 19.7% probability that we'll have a recession in the next nine months. So way less than half. 
it's about half the probability of what it was last fall when you know, we had crazy things happening in the in the bond markets. <laughs> yeah. You know, the yield curve inversion that people uh, like to talk about, consumer sentiment was sliding. You know, that part of the market has calmed down, especially, you know, into uh, December and January. Now, honestly, you have to be a little concerned about the coronavirus and yeah. things like that. But in Hard to shut down one of the largest economies in the world. It is, and that affects everybody. Yeah. And uh, I, I feel pretty confident now we can DNA sequence things, you know, that they'll figure out uh, what to do about it here. Uh, hopefully, sooner the better, I'm, I'm sure. But, uh, you know, I believe Florida's in, you know, Florida's going to do better than the U.S., you know, uh, for the foreseeable future. But as far as the recovery getting older, uh, one of the, I've had this question, you know, well, what in your model that predicts the probability of recession accounts for the age of the recovery? And I said, there's nothing in there because the age doesn't matter. Yeah. Recoveries don't die of old age. They die of shocks. Now, is the shock of coronavirus going to be big enough to change things? It could if it gets out of hand. You know, are there things could happen? You know, the probability will never be zero of right. us being in a recession. So you'll never see my uh, my tile on the scorecard go down to zero. But it's pretty low right now. Yeah. And uh, as long as, you know, we maybe solve some trade issues, we don't have crazy things happen in North Korea or, you know, over in Iran, you know, those kind of things, those black swan events really can have an effect uh, but my hope is the coronavirus is going to get contained. They'll figure out what to do with it and uh, stop it from spreading. And if so, I think we're going to have a really good year, uh, especially here in the state of Florida. You know, we've got 900 net new people a day moving to this state, bring a lot of wealth with them. They're bringing $1.19 million of adjusted gross income every hour of every single day to this state. That's it, staggering. It's a, it's a big number. Yeah. We've been helped by the Tax Cut and Jobs Act. Certainly higher net worth of individuals uh, compared to history, you know, have, have started moving even even quicker to the state of Florida. That's great for our sales tax situation. Like I said, 76% of our general revenue comes from sales and use taxes. And uh, wealthy people typically spend more. And uh, so it's it's we're in a really good cycle. I encourage people to enjoy this. You know, all of us that lived through the last recession uh, know what one is like. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we tend to forget, but enjoy this. This, this is the good times. So we're going to be looking back on this several-year stretch that we're in now uh, that uh, most people that wanted to find a job can find a job. Um, and uh, businesses has been, business has been really good. Um, there's been a lot of opportunities to help get people out of poverty here over the last few years, and I'm, I'm confident that's going to continue here in the state of Florida, and I hope for a long time. No doubt. Um, one of the things to, to just to maybe provide a quick definition or explanation for folks that's on the scorecard is uh, wealth migration. You talked about people moving yeah. in the state every day. But explain to folks what wealth migration means, and and you know when you look on our card here locally, you see that that one's uh, typically in the red, and, and why maybe that is. Uh, that metric comes from the book How Money Walks, if if people are familiar with that, and it's <clears throat> it links we link directly to their website on the Florida Scorecard. What that does is take. Uh, they get IRS data and find out where someone lived last year and filed their taxes compared to this year. 
Uh, there's a couple. There's three counties in Florida that are that are pretty heavily negative. One of them is Miami-Dade. Uh, it looks like my, a lot of the Miami-Dade people have left and moved up to Broward County, and the Broward people move up to Palm Beach and, and on up the East Coast. But the two that really stick out are Alachua County, uh, and Gainesville, and Leon County. What's happening there, and I'm convinced of this, uh, especially when you look at where we're losing wealth to, is a lot of that is college graduates leaving. They're making a little or not much here, uh, and then they go to Seattle. Uh, King County, Washington is the number one spot weighted by money for, uh, for um, uh, Leon County. So you get a college graduate that can kind of skew things. You know, they start yeah. out with a job out there making seventy, eighty, ninety thousand dollars a year versus zero. It actually subtracts that from yeah. Florida. <clears throat> so it's a little skewed when you sure. have a university town. Um, but uh, it's interesting that you can see overall most people weighted by money don't leave Florida. They may move from one part of Florida to another. Um, but uh, only in the university, heavy university towns, do you see a, a real big migration out. That's fascinating. Um, kind of bringing it back local here, maybe to bring things in for a landing. Um, what, what are some things that, that if you're Joe or Susie, uh, a business owner here in Tallahassee, you're trying to project uh, some, you know, the, looking at the spreadsheets for the next few years, what, what are things people should be aware of or? anticipating or, or, or keeping a lookout for? Well, I, I think we're in a really good stable economy. You know, it, uh, when you look at things like uh, the number of state employees, you know, that's, you know, that really hasn't gone down. Uh, uh, you, you would think that from all the headlines that, that we had lost, you know, hundreds of thousands of state employees in there. They're not. That's a really good between the, the state and the two universities and TCC. That is a big component of our employment, and those are stable things. They they don't tend to uh, drop much. They you know typically uh, in the university situation, they typically add employees rather than subtract them. Uh, so you've got these you know students coming in every year. There's a lot of spending power. A very stable workforce here. We're also doing a good job uh, recruiting some companies. You know, most people don't realize that even Gadsden County has, has grown a lot of jobs. I showed that at the, at the breakfast. Uh, they, they're on a really good path as far as growing. So not just Leon County's growing, but some of our rural areas right beside us are growing, and there is opportunity for businesses to, to move there and, and, and uh, use Tallahassee services. So I think we're in a really good, stable growth period. You know, we're not going to grow – Super fast. Uh, the large metro areas are the ones that are growing the fastest now and expected between now and 2030. Tallahassee is not a large metro area, but uh, you know there's a lot to be said for the stability of having these large employers here with new ones coming in to take advantage of the talent we're producing at schools. It's becoming so much more important that I believe in the future you're going to see more companies locating toward university towns where they can hire those graduates. And, f and for me, that's great because, you know, we keep them in the state, then they become Florida taxpayers. So uh, I like that a lot. Absolutely. And I think you're spot on. There's a, there's a ton of opportunity in this community today. Um, you know, if it's, if it's good for Florida, it's probably good for Tallahassee. There's a lot of things that are happening that, uh, 
that we can benefit from. Um, and I think you're finally starting to see people get really focused on trying to make some, some course corrections on uh, some of these things that particularly uh, uh, keep people in poverty here in our community. I think that matters immensely. Um, so I appreciate you know all you've done on that front, and uh, you, you wanted to add to yeah, that. Yeah, I would like to add that. I, I you know I have to give some credit here to the Tallahassee Chamber. Uh, it's not it's not a popular thing to allow somebody like me to come in and show where kids are living in poverty in your community. Yet uh, the Tallahassee Chamber was one of the first that uh, that actually invited me in to specifically speak about that. So. Uh, I have to give this chamber credit uh, that they were one of the leaders around the state, and I believe that's put us in the front uh, as far as addressing it, and so I'm very appreciative of that. Well, we appreciate that, too. We appreciate you coming and being with us, uh, not only here on the show today, but uh, at at various forums and things that we've had over the last few years, and uh, especially the work on that local government uh, study committee. Folks, if you've never read through that report, I think you will find that uh, as we as a Chamber of Commerce are always the first to stand up and cheerlead when we do something very well, we're also trying to be very conscious of looking for the things that can be uh, uh, threats to our future. And uh, there are a few out there, there are some things that, that, that do hold us back in certain categories, and we want to make sure we're paying attention to it, that we're aware of it, that we understand the data that underlies it. and. Uh, uh, that we collaborate with other partners across the community and the state to figure out how we can do better. And thanks to folks like Jerry, we have uh, a bit of, a, a, again, I feel like sometimes we get the, the answers to the test before, before we get into the classroom. Uh, it, we can see where the puck's going. We know what needles need to be moved. Um, and that matters. Looking at the data, understanding what our future looks like is critically important. And thanks to folks like uh, Dr. Jerry Parrish, and the Florida Chamber Foundation, we are we are able to do that work better. Um, Dr. Parrish, one last time, if people want to learn about the work you're doing, where's the best place for them to go? Um, they can go to the the website, thefloridascorecard.org, and if they want to contact me directly, there's a little button on the bottom that says "Contact Us" that comes directly to my email inbox, and uh, I'll be glad to talk to them, help them understand some of the data, um, you know, make available the data we have uh, around the, the state or the county or the zip code, whatever they're looking at. And, uh, you know, the more engaged they are, the better this community will be. So I'll be glad to help them. Indeed. One last shameless plug. If people are interested in finding out more about the Florida State University Master's in Applied Economics program, maybe they want to bring someone in. You've got great interns there. Uh, yeah, we do. Uh, every year we have a group of about 25 new grad students that show up in the fall. Uh, they, they need internships. It really helps them become better economists and better analysts, and they can contact me directly about that. They can contact Dr. Stefan Norbin uh, over at the Economics Department at uh, FSU. Uh, but the, these kids are doing you know, leading edge research. They're doing machine learning. They're doing, you know, all kind of very high level economic analysis. They make great interns and, uh, you know, they get credit for having an internship uh, uh, while they're in school. And the internships typically run from January through May. 
they can contact me or Dr. Norbin over there. I'll be glad to uh, help them find the right master's student uh, that can help their business. Uh, as an organization who has taken advantage of that before, I, I can't recommend it enough. Uh, some very bright minds there. Dr. Parrish, thanks as always for your support and uh, being generous with your time. We appreciate it. Thanks for all you're doing for our community and for our state of Florida. Folks, uh, we appreciate you listening as always. We thank you for getting through a whole nother show and uh, hopefully you are uh, enjoying another uh, wonderful episode of the Tallahassee Business Podcast. Important to always remind you that uh, we can't do this show without the support of our members and our sponsors, folks like the 223 Agency, a digital relations firm based here in Tallahassee, Florida, doing great work in our community. And uh, if you want to spread the word about how great and wonderful your listening experience has been, we hope you will share the podcast. As always, you can go and find all the episodes available at www.talchamber.com. That's talchamber.com. We hope you like it, share it, review it, leave us a little note, uh, and as always, tell your friends about it. Thanks for listening again. We appreciate you being with us. We'll talk to you real soon.